Good morning again. Good morning. Just before I start my sermon here, I'll share with you a bit. I'm a person that worries too much. And Lori knows this, the kids know this, but I want my congregation to know it because I want my congregation to be praying for me. I won't go through all the different things I worry about because what's the point of that, right? But I do just want you, because you're a congregation I trust, that prays for me and my family. And I want to let you know how things are going. So just do be praying for us and, and pray for that because, you know, worry is such uh, a thing that takes over everything else and it turns the people you love and to the people you worry about and what's the point of worrying about them? We pray for them. We, we think good things about them. When we worry so much it just eats away. But when we turn that around and we give it to God and we pray instead, that's a good thing. So be praying. Be praying for us. Thank you. As far as my health goes, you know I went down to um, Saskatoon over the weekend. They haven't found anything really new to worry about. There's a virus that's creeping up a little bit, um, so they're they're working on that. So good, it was a good visit down in Saskatoon. All right, let's turn to the word. We're looking at Second Chronicles, chapter one. I'll start at verse seven and read through to verse twelve. That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God, You have shown great kindness to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours God said to Solomon since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth or riches or honor nor for the death of your enemies and since you have not asked for a long life but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you and I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will have. Father God, teach us from your word, we pray. Amen. If we were granted one wish, what would it be for? I'm sure you've played this game before in your mind. Boy, if I had one wish, what would I do with it? I'm sure some of us would use our wish for the betterment of mankind. We'd ask for a cure for cancer, world peace, the alleviation of world hunger, and of any number of other beneficial things. I'm also sure that some of us would be tempted to use our wish for personal gain and ask for riches or fame or beauty or strength or intelligence. Perhaps if we're crafty enough, we would word our wish in such a way that we could accomplish both. I would like to have a hundred million dollars so that I could fund a cure into the common cold. Something like that. 
What would you wish for? Well, one king in the Bible was given this opportunity that we all at some point have dreamed about. Solomon, son of King David, had just succeeded his father as king. But the succession had not been smooth at all. His older brother, Adonijah, tried to claim the throne even while David was still alive. So King David quickly makes Solomon king and has those loyal to him put together a huge parade into Jerusalem to announce the real successor to the throne. Those loyal to Adonijah ran away when they found out and Solomon manages to bring the rebellion to a quiet end with Adonijah, his older brother, promising to honor him as king. His older brother, however, finds another way to try and take the kingdom away from Solomon. And this time he and those loyal to him find themselves killed or released from their duties. So now that Solomon has a firm hold on the kingdom, he sets out to be a king who strives to honor God. He stages an event in which all of the important leaders of Israel are brought together. A huge sacrifice of a thousand animals is made. We don't know what was said by Solomon at this gathering, but we do know that it must have honored God because later that night God comes to Solomon in a dream and makes this promise. Ask for whatever you, you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Make a wish and it'll be yours. And what does Solomon ask for? Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. In making this wish, Solomon pleases God and ends up receiving wisdom beyond anyone before or after him. So I'd like to spend our time together answering three questions that come out of this encounter. What is this wisdom he asks for? Why does Solomon ask for wisdom? And why does his request please God? And how can I get me some of that? Is the third question. Well, what is wisdom and what isn't it? One of the best descriptions I've heard for wisdom is simply the ability to choose the right path. Not mystical. It's not some mystical, vague intuition that comes from thin air or, or tea leaves or the positions of the stars. It's a very real, very practical sense of what to do, how to do it, and more importantly, why we're doing it. Nor is it common sense. Now, common sense is most often a good thing. But many times the wise person will choose to do what everyone else might commonly... Oh, I'm, I'm messing this up a bit. Let me start over. Wisdom isn't necessarily what we call common sense. Because many times the wise person will choose not to do what everyone else might commonly consider the right thing to do. Common sense, for all its strengths, has one vital weakness. 
it's nothing more than doing what most of the people would do most of the time. It's what we as a people think is right, and not necessarily what God thinks is right. It was once common sense to scorn children born out of wedlock. Many children grew up with the label bastard, as if the child had done something wrong by coming into the world. Wisdom, on the other hand, starts with taking God seriously. And that is why the Bible says over and over again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Taking God seriously is the beginning of wisdom. We find this principle in the Psalms, in the book of Job, in Proverbs, in the prophets Isaiah and Micah, one who is wise respects, even fears, God, simply because of the magnitude of who he is. Wisdom is not mere data. It's not the accumulation of facts or even the ability to use such information. We hear so much about the ability of computers to process information, but have you ever heard a computer called WISE? Well, maybe somebody named one wise, but they, they really aren't wise machines. Equating wisdom with data is like saying a man is a good fisherman because his house is full of fishing gear. I can testify that you can have all the gear in the world to ever catch fish and still come home empty-handed. That's personal experience. I've lived that out too many times. It's not even intelligence. It takes intelligence to process information and to use it, but that's still not wisdom. You can go up to the smartest person in the world who's doing the hardest work imaginable and ask him why. And if the only thing he replies with is, because I can, well, trust me, because I can is the farthest thing from wisdom. Because I can is the buzzword of the technological era. We do things because we can. It places us at the absolute center of the universe. And I think it's at the core of every evil impulse and desire. Because I can. No, that's not wisdom. When I think of someone who's wise, I think of this person that has an uncommon ability to look forward to what may happen, to look back on what has happened, and then make the best decision for the present based on what's happening right in the here and now. Look at how Solomon demonstrated wisdom when two young mothers come to him arguing over their rights to a young baby. You've probably heard this story. Both women have had a child recently, but one child died in its sleep. The mother switches her dead baby for the live one, while the other mother sleeps, and both women end up in front of the king pleading their case. Well, Solomon orders the live baby to be divided in two, so that both women can have half a baby. It's not exactly the politically correct answer to the problem. We wouldn't see this today, but it's the answer that triggers the real mother to give up her claim so that the baby will live. 
And in triggering that response, Solomon is able to discern who the real mother is and allow her to go home with her child. There's nothing vague or airy-fairy about his solution. It's not even remotely close to what we would call common sense. It's tangible, it's brutal. But as the scriptures tell us, it's wise. So wisdom is the ability to choose the right path. The right thing to do at the right time for the right reasons with the right result. It's not a complete answer to what wisdom is, but it's enough for us to work with. Our next question is, why does Solomon ask for it? For wisdom, that is. Why indeed? If we were given this kind of blank check from God, what would we fill it with? I'll tell you, money's a pretty tempting op option. A few million would probably settle a lot of my worries. Or would they just give me a few million more worries? I don't know. I'm probably not going to get a few million in the next little while. Kings definitely need wealth to maintain their kingdoms. If they want armies and roads and palaces, they need to find a way to fund them. You can only raise so much from your own people by taxes before you shut down your own economy, so money would have been a pretty tempting thing for Solomon to ask for, for wealth. Power would have been another good bet. For with power, you can try to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. And isn't that what people expect a king to do? So either wealth or power would have been great assets for Solomon as king. In fact, most kings spend their reigns using one to get the other, and desperately clutching to whatever they manage to acquire. And so do we, to some degree. We're not tyrants hoarding fortunes, but we spend much of our lives accumulating certain things so that we can attain some measure of control over our lives. It boils down to money and power, just on a smaller scale. But Solomon shows an ability to see past this, at least at this moment in his life. And he asks God to give him wisdom, so that as king he might make the right decisions that will honor God and help the people. He asks for wisdom because he wants to serve God and others, and not just himself. He is in a position where his decisions will affect millions of people, and he shows his true heart by asking for help to do the right thing. And God is so pleased with his request that he grants it, and then gives him everything else he could have asked for and didn't. He's pleased because Solomon's request is unselfish. It's putting the needs of others first by asking for help to lead the people well. It's also a humble response. Solomon is admitting he's not able to do this on his own. And these are two attitudes which always help us when we're dealing with God. An unselfish heart and a humble spirit. They're attitudes we should try to reflect in our own lives. Now on to that third question. How can I get me some of that? How can I get wisdom? Do we need it? 
Do we need wisdom the same way Solomon did? I think the answer is a resounding yes. We don't make decisions that affect millions, but we do choose a path which will affect those who are important to us. Our children, our spouses, our extended families, our friends. Depending on our life circumstances, our paths also come in contact with co-workers, with customers, with clients, with patients and pupils and neighbors, and many more. And wisdom is what guides us through the myriad array of possibilities and leads us to make the choice which best fits the circumstance. And believe me, it's something we can all use some more of. So how do we go about becoming wise or attaining wisdom? I'll tell you one thing. We don't buy it. We don't make it or find it. It's not a commodity that we exchange, a solution to be mixed or a riddle to be solved. We've already covered the most important part, taking God seriously. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Without it, we're simply on the wrong path. We can also ask God, trusting that he will deliver. James 1, chapter, chapter 1, pardon me, verses 5 to 8, tells us very clearly, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should act God, ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Now, without being facetious, I can say with all confidence that we all lack wisdom enough that we should all be asking for it. But as the verse says... We have to ask confidently, not out of the corners of our mouths. God doesn't want to play games with us. He wants us to be straight with him. If we need, we ask. And then what? Well, what happened to Solomon after he asked? It wasn't just like, poof, something happened. He was put into situations where wisdom was required. And he made wise choices. And I think that's what we can expect too. We're not going to see our wiseometers just go like that every time we ask for wisdom. But we'll be given opportunities to use what God has promised he will give. Our choices may not become any easier, but I do believe they will become better. When we set out to honor God in the path we choose on a daily basis, we will grow in wisdom. There's one last passage I want to read today. Again, it's from the book of James. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and those quotes really are there, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, 
unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, good of mer full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. This passage is telling us that as we grow in wisdom, we'll grow in the other things too. When true wisdom is in our lives, we treat others better. We seek peace in our relationships. We will treat others fairly. If, however, we profess to be wise, but treat others poorly, we place ourselves in the middle of the universe seeking to have what is not ours, then wisdom is far from us. Wisdom can't be sought for wisdom's sake. It grows out of a life given over to the God who gives it. So as we go home today, let us strive to be people who seek to be wise. Not wise for our own sake or in our own strength, because neither of these attitudes leads to real wisdom at all. Rather, let us strive to see wisdom take root within us as we walk down the path placed before us. Wisdom is not a far-off concept for philosophers to discuss over scrolls while they're smoking pipes. It's a God-given ability to make the right choices when the right choices need to be made. It's needed in our personal and spiritual lives. It's needed in our families, and it's needed in our churches. We all walk some path, and we all need help walking it. To make the right choice on that path, we first need to give our lives over to God. And when we do that, and allow Him to guide us in the decision-making, wisdom will take root in our lives and begin to grow. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we all need wisdom. We should all call out to you for wisdom. But that starts by taking you seriously in our lives. So let us wrestle with that. Let us wrestle with that and come out wiser, ready to allow you to lead us. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.